Welcome, welcome everybody. Let's get started. Good evening again. <laughs> hey, Jen. Take two. Now I can hear you this time. So yes, we're doing well, I mean, thanks to the magic of, uh, of editing, uh, the people who are listening to this later, like on Spotify or even here, won't know what we're talking about. It's actually take, what are you talking about, Jen? <laughs> Doctor Strange cast a spell. I don't know what happened. This is the first time we're doing this. There's, uh, this has been completely free of any kind of bugs. And uh, I love working here at the Washington Post where you know, things always work the first time around and uh, everyone is terrific and wonderful. Listen, this call-in, it's imperfect, but it's collegial. And I love working here. <laughs> and it's such a warm and welcoming environment. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's Wednesday night and we're all crossed out and uh, we are here to discuss the uh, the ongoing <laughs> disaster at the Washington Post that, uh, that, you know, we thought on Sunday we were saying to each other, like looking at the podcast numbers and going like, wow, you know, we really, uh, we really nailed our timing. We recorded right when the thing peaked, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hit the hot, the iron is hot. And then literally like the story got like seven times worse right after we did the podcast the second uh, sally busby put out her first like staff-wide memo it was all downhill from there because then because queen felicia would not be silenced yeah i'm sitting there at shop trying to eat my salad and all of a sudden i see this the, the first busby memo drop because there's been more than one now but the first one dropped and i'm like why 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 did this happen after we record it all the time that's just that's part of podcasting life it's, it's inevitable you're going to record you're going to finish you're going to wrap you're going to open up twitter and you're going to be like shit yeah this is a boon for the people who uh discuss stuff like this and do daily podcasts this is great this is the new amber <laughs> johnny Depp <laughs> trial it's like <laughs> We're here. Day six of the uh, Washington Post disaster. Overnight, Felicia Salmez attacked with six tweets against Dave Weigel, who responded by blocking and deleting his account. Uh, get like a you got like a battlefield dispatch. <laughs> Has Weigel even tweeted since he deleted the tweet? No, no. We're gonna get to that because I think I think yeah. uh, I, I'm. I, I, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed at the at the ta at the taking it at the taking it. But but we'll get to it because this story is so complicated. I kept telling I kept telling Jen as like as the hours ticked forward towards this show, I was like, this story is getting away from me. Like new things keep happening, and I'm like, shit. How are we going to condense all of this? How are we going to get through all of it? So I think I think I devised some sort of system <laughs> that we're going to try to do. I showed Jen I have a literal, always sunny conspiracy board type thing with arrows pointing. There's lots of different people involved. 
And essentially all of them work at the Washington or worked at the Washington Post. It's true. He wrote it all down. I saw it. Yes, I was showing her on cam before because we were like <laughs> we were trying to because like I said, I, I, I think it's important to, to do this because you might be listening to this and you don't know some of the stuff that's happening or maybe like, I don't know, the significance of it, because there is there is some larger significance here just in terms of like how this could play out other places and, and why it shouldn't and on all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, and so I think the, the first thing to talk about is who Felicia Sanmez, who the people involved are, but like mainly Felicia Sanmez, because there are, there are several stories involving her that, that paint this whole thing in like a different kind of light. Right. So she's been at the Washington Post for a long time, but the first thing you should know about her is her Me Too story. She had a Me Too thing during the Me Too. Yeah. Uh, during the Me Too. Was he on the shitty men in media list or was that not it? I don't think so, but I do remember Reason did a whole piece on the whole story from his perspective, and I believe it was from 2019. Yes, this will, yes, the story by Reason the Magazine is titled I'm Radioactive by Emily Yoffe. If you um, if you just Google that, it'll come up. Uh, the guy's name is Jonathan Kamen, and he was the, like, he was at the LA Times. Never mind. She she me tooed him, ruined his career and life under circumstances was, that are arguably shady. Yeah, and he was kind of a big deal. Like this was back when they were both over in Beijing, and he was kind of a big deal as far as reporting from Beijing and all that stuff. And he was had like a lot of different positions that he held on different boards and stuff. And like, I mean, you can you can go Google and read the whole piece if you want to get into the whole thing. But yeah, basically. She accused him of not raping her, but like like so many Me Too stories, it's one of those things where like, oh, I, I had sex with this guy and I basically regretted it later and I feel like maybe he forced me into this somehow. And of course, there was alcohol involved and she brought him back to her place and then anyway, like I said, you can read the story if you want to. But yeah, it's one of those like very sketchy kind of after the facts regretted but at the time seemed to be perfectly fine with it sort of situations right and uh she was very outspoken about it um and which is important for later because another thing that's important uh is, is that the next her next controversy the kobe bryant controversy which happened in january of 2020 when kobe bryant died and she thought the announcement of his death was a great opportunity to bring up his uh you know, his, uh, his, uh, what was it? His, it was a rape case. It was a rape charge that was dropped. I can't remember what it was. He was never convicted of anything, but still yeah. like the idea that he would do it on that day, that caused a huge Twitter furor, um, that led to her suspension, which led to a, an even bigger furor, uh, and like huge, uh, uproar from the staff, Big letter of like support from the guild, co-signed by Dave Weigel, by the way, which which we'll yeah. discuss later. Um, and eventually, like her reinstatement, it was that was the that was the moment I remember when it felt like uh, the newsrooms of the Times and Post ha had uh, like like the management had totally lost control to the newsroom because there were all influencers between that and the. Um, 
Tom Cotton op-ed situation, it, it became clear that um, they had lost their newsrooms and that some people in their newsrooms were had powerful enough sort of social media presences that they couldn't really do anything about it. And so they brought her back and she didn't take it magnanimously at all. She was very like, yeah, fuck you. Thank, yeah, thanks a lot for doing the thing you should have, you f- assholes. And still continue to work there, by the way. To this day, she still works there. So this whole situation... Okay, so ultimately what ended up happening with Felicia. So, okay, she gets suspended for this tweet. She gets brought back because everybody got pissed off. But then the Washington Post decided that they were going to take her off of the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing. Ostensibly because... Now that she had come forward as a victim of sexual assaults, air quotes, that she could not objectively cover the Kavanaugh hearing because obviously it did center around the topic of sexual assault and whether Kavanaugh did or did or not sexually assault Ford back in high school. I'm sure everybody remembers that whole thing. But so they took her off of that. And so she sued the Washington Post. Or I, I forget exactly what she sued them for, like the actual like legal reason that she sued some them. Some kind of discrimination. The fact that you you're not allowed to 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 do some kind of like it's a discri- it's a, the idea that like she's discriminated against because she's a survivor of sexual assault or something like that, and they can't do that. Yeah. Um, but her lawsuit got tossed. Um, but her her legal team are on record as meaning to appeal, uh, which is where matters stand now. I believe the, the lawsuit was tossed in March of this year. Um, and yeah. so it's still it's still up in the air. She wanted $2 million. She wanted a jury trial, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, speaking of Kavanaugh, by the way, we, we, we just need to say that we're going we to save talk of this Kavanaugh situation, this attempted, this thwarting of an attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. We're going to talk about that on Sunday. Um, We're not ignoring it. Certainly we're going to. Yeah. Plus it's still kind of developing and there's still information coming out. So I save it for Sunday. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. But, um, uh, but yeah, so the fact that there is sort of essentially pending litigation in a way uh, factors in, I think a lot, to how she specifically is dealt with by management compared to other people. Uh, and so, you know, the, the course of events that happened up until the end of the podcast briefly, when we last left you. <laughs> <laughs> last episode. Yes, exactly. Oh, skip recap. Oh, There's like a skip recap oh, yeah. button. Exactly. Oh, yeah. By the way, this is the super MCU thing, but you need to go listen to the last episode of the Ambitious Crossover so that you can understand <laughs> this this episode of Colin. Yes. Yes. Of uh, Felicia Vision. <laughs> you should have watched. <laughs> Which is yeah. ironic if you know how one division ends. Yes, that's very good. Um, but um, so um, Dave Weigel, Washington Post, uh, someone Felicia uh, uh, Sanmez states considered a close friend. They had a byline together. Uh, I heard other things. 
that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into more than I, than I've heard other things. Um, but he retweeted some joke that she didn't like. And instead of telling him or telling management, she went on Twitter and did it. Uh, and like called him out, even though, by the way, I believe that he by then had already apologized and deleted it. I think her screen yeah. cap was of a deleted tweet. Well, he unretweeted the tweet, which is important. Like he didn't even tweet this. Like he didn't write the. Oh, tweet. right. Sorry, you're right. Um, you're right. Correct. I'm sorry. You're right. He unretweeted. Right. He unretweeted it and he apologized. Which is like just ridiculous because we're not even talking about a tweet. We're talking about a retweet, and of course, if by this point you haven't heard the fucking joke it was basically that all women are one of two things and you have to figure out which one they are bisexual or bipolar yeah that's the fucking tweet that's do you know it. that the guy do you know that the guy who tweeted that was on tucker carlson yes and now i actually i actually can because <laughs> people because like okay and the view talked about it today and people were actually like tagging him in the replies so I actually like went and go went and looked at his Twitter feed, and now his like Twitter banner is him on Tucker Carlson. I need to, I need to, you know what? I need to like, I need to find. We need to do like a reading. I need to do a reading. Here we go. Oh, you're gonna read the tweet? No, no, no. I'm not gonna read a tweet. I'm gonna read a. Okay. I'm gonna read two, two, three or four paragraphs. This is gonna take a little bit of time. But I have to read this to you. It's great that we have a, a format like this where I can actually do this. Uh, in the book Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson from 1999. 1999, right? This is over 20 years old. He describes like an outrage cycle that I can't help but remember here. Again, because the guy who tweeted the tweet went on Tucker. Like every ass, every element of this is like dissected. And so here's the... Here's the uh, Here's the the here's the the uh, the excerpt. Okay, people. Uh, okay, blah blah blah. Okay, people. Uh, so it'll lead into a story. So the first line won't make a lot of sense. But people are coming from places like Amsterdam and Milan. The conference's organizing committee, which includes Randy's girlfriend Charlene, who actually gives every indication of being his ex-girlfriend now, hired an artist in San Francisco to come up with a poster. He started with a cigarette with a black and white halftone photo of a haggard World War II infantryman with a cigarette dangling from his lower lip. He worked this image over using a photocopier, blowing the halftone dots up into rough lumps like rubber balls chewed by a dog and wreaking any number of other distortions on it until it had an amazingly stark, striking, jagged appearance. The soldier's pale eyes turned an eerie white. Then he added a few elements in color, red lipstick, blue eye shadow, and a trace of a red brassiere strap peeking out from the soldier's unbuttoned uniform shirt. The poster won some kind of award almost the moment it came out. This led to a press release, which in turn led to the posters being enshrined by the news media as an official object of controversy. An enterprising journalist managed to track down the soldier depicted in the original photograph, a decorated combat veteran and retired, retired tool and dime maker who, as it happened, was not merely alive but in excellent health and, since the death of his wife from breast cancer, had spent his retirement roaming around the deep south in his pickup truck, helping to rebuild black churches that had been torched by drunken yahoos. Right? The artist who had designed the poster then confessed that he had simply copied it from a book 
and had made no effort whatsoever to obtain permission, the entire concept of getting permission to use other people's work was faulty since all art was derivative from other art. High-powered trial lawyers converged like dive bombers on the small town in Kentucky where the aggrieved veteran was up on the roof of a black church with a mouthful of nails hammering down slabs of AD exterior plywood and mumbling no comment to a horde of reporters <laughs> down the lawn. After a series of conferences in a room at the town's Holiday Inn, the veteran emerged, accompanied by one of the five most famous lawyers on the face of the planet, and announced that he was filing a civil lawsuit against the three siblings that would, if it succeeded, turn them and their entire community into a flat smoking abrasion in the Earth's crust. He promised to split the proceeds between the black churches and various disabled veterans and breast cancer research groups. The organizing committee pulled the poster for circulation, which caused thousands of bootleg copies to go up on the World Wide Web and, in general, brought it to the attention of millions who never would have seen it otherwise. This predates the uh, Streisand effect, by the way. This, this is describing it before the Streisand story even happened. Uh, they also filed suit against the artist, whose net worth could be tallied up on the back of a ticket stub. He had the assets of about $1,000 and debts, mostly student loans, amounting to 65000 <laughs> <laughs> All of this happened before the conference even began, right? <laughs> and so that was a very long-winded way of saying, like, this is this was in a in science fiction novels parodying like the world is what we experience now all the goddamn time. Mm -hmm. And I cannot stop thinking about this paragraph. I tweeted it like two years ago and I just keep rereading it every time a story like this happens. Yeah, the guy who tweeted it, who was some rando with like 60 followers ends up on Tucker Carlson. <laughs> and, say, and you know what he said, by the way? He said no. something like, when I found out that Dave Weigel was a big supporter of the Iraq war, I actually got kind of happy that he was suspended. That is what he said. <laughs> so like, that's exactly like this. It's like absurd. It's like Neil Stevenson's absurd mind, like writ in like reality 25 years later. It's just ridiculous. And that whole like thing condensed down into tweet form. I saw a tweet that somebody put up and I retweeted it. It was basically like this joke was so horrible and so, so, so offensive and so hurtful. By the way, here's a screenshot of it. <laughs> yes, yes. I got PTSD just looking at it here. Yeah. Uh, yes. Screenshot. Yeah. People are calling out for an old, uh, for a more old newsman voice. <laughs> we're gonna have to do a. We're gonna have to, instead of my uh, instead of my Will Smith minute jingle. We're gonna have to do a new like. Breaking news. Stop encouraging him, people. I love doing – go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Neontaster, and you can see some of my like weird highlights from my uh, video game streams where I do uh, many silly voices. Uh, more to come soon, I hope. Um, anyway, back on topic. I know we had to do this long digression because I really wanted to read this thing because <laughs> I think that on Twitter you see two like screen caps with like text and you're like, I'm not reading that. And so it's easier to sit and li listen uh, to somebody like read it out to you. Um, and I just, I, I just think it's so funny. And this, like I said, I, I keep thinking about it anyway. Back to the flow chart. Yes. Back to the flow chart. So as we said, Weigel uh, unretweets it. He apologized. Felicia still goes after him, even though they're friends and coworkers she, she doesn't talk, speak to him. She doesn't speak to her bosses. She just attacks them 
by proxy. They didn't even know about it. You know, that's the weird thing. So her, her tweet was phrased like, wow, great to work at a place that allows that. What al- it happened five minutes ago. Like what they didn't even know about it. And you're already like attacking them for not suspending him. Plus, what what the fuck is allowed? Like, did she think that there's somebody at Washington Post that's like monitoring Dave Weigel's like, OK, we have uh, but before you retweet this, Dave, we have to clear this with legal and HR and everything like what the fuck is allowed? And you know what she did? She later this is skipping a little bit ahead in the timeline, but there's no we're going to lose control of this anyway. Uh, she said, oh, by the way, someone else at the post that I'm not going to name told me that once Dave Weigel tweeted a sexist thing and she spoke to our bosses and what they said to her was, oh, you're not Dave Weigel. So we're not going to say anything because you're a, uh, you're an ant and he's a giant or whatever. Wouldn't name the people. And then later deleted that tweet and was like, oh, it wasn't my story to tell. So like her way of, her way was being like, oh, he's a serial. Not only is he, a, that was her way of being like, not only is he a serial offender, but also people already tried to do it properly and were shut down, which is exactly why I did it publicly. So like she's using some unnamed anonymous other incident to justify the way she behaved in this incident. And that's like so manipulative, just incredibly manipulative. Um, and then that, that and that's without mentioning now there's a whole second timeline of outrage <laughs> that branches off from this, right? Somebody goes back in time and takes back the gray sports almanac, creates like a divergence in the time flow. Along comes this guy, Jose Del Real, right? Also at the Washington Post, who's also Hispanic and gay. I'm only mentioning this because yeah. he mentioned it. Because I like he, Yeah, he specifically mentioned he's the only Mexican-American in the newsroom. And he, I mean, he mentioned it in the context of, you know, being essentially accused of like not knowing what it's like to be a minority or to suffer whatever, one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, and basically what he said to her is, look, I agree with you, it was sexist and you should have deleted it. But you're, you know, you should probably reconsider the cruelty that you show colleagues like in the open. And she went ballistic right they they went back and forth a couple of times and she went ballistic and got him to delete his tweets to her and then delete his entire account uh for a day or two just to you know like get the heat off him yeah and then he came back blocked her and did a quick thread (laughs) explaining what happened i did this this is what happened i got harassed I'm going to step away from talking about this, be kind to each other. That's it. And she got it in her craw that she was going to get him in trouble over these tweets. And for days kept saying like, those, these tweets are still up. These tweets are still up. And then Sally Busby sent around another memo that was like more aggressive. And it said like, cut it out, people. Be collegial. And then she was like, oh, those tweets are still up. Is that being collegial? Is that being collegial? As though what she is doing and, you know, and he's still getting dogpiled, right? Yeah, and like, like literally his last tweet in that thread was basically like, all right, I'm done. Like, I said my piece, I'm done, I'm walking away, bye. Right. Like, that was it. Like, it and she was comes gone. back the next day like, oh, by the way, I'm still blocked. And, oh, by the way, his tweets are still up and he has, still hasn't apologized. And is this collegial Washington Post editors? Are you going to do something about this? Um, like, that's the way she's approaching this. 
And so then comes another Washington Post reporter, Lisa Rain, Rain, I believe is the way you pronounce it, who, according to someone I follow, has been a reporter for longer than Felicia Samez has been alive, like a senior, someone who's like with experience, and just tweeted to her two words, a two-word tweet, please stop, <laughs> right? Representing all of Twitter. Yes. Please stop. <laughs> Succinct. As the bard said, brevity is the soul of wit. Sometimes all you need is two words. Um, and again, this sent her into a tizzy. Stop what? Calling out colleagues for sexism? And uh, is this, are you being collegial right now? And that, by the way, no, who, the, the person who said that was yet another person at the Washington Post, Holden Sage Foreman, uh, 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 Princeton Meals guy. We don't have to get into that because that's irrelevant. Yeah. The relevant part about it is this guy was in college last year. And now he's at the Washington Post publicly trashing like senior leadership. Imagine like being a journalism major or whatever he studied at college, getting a job at the Washington Post out of college and thinking it's a good career move to be like, my bosses are fucking assholes. Well, the whole reason he did it is because he's fucking simping. And I can't like I I, I had to I had to respond to this on Twitter because like pick me behavior annoys me like nothing else and it's basically he went through all of the likes to the what was it the the lisa lisa yes tweet. the please stop, stop tweet which had at and the he, time that he did it like three thousand likes something like that yeah so he scrolled through all these likes and he's like oh i noticed that the vast majority of the blue checks that like this tweet are men do you think – what do you think about that? Or do you think there's something up with that? And I'm like, dude, fucking yeah. stop. Oh, and he Come said – by the way, on top of that, he said the four Washington Post reporters who liked this tweet were men. Yeah. You know, like true spy on your neighbor type behavior. And by the way, this please stop tweet uh, generated outrage on the company email from yet another person that we need to mention here. Someone from like the video technical video team at Washpo called Brianna Muir, who replied all to, uh, to Sally Busby's thing with this tweet saying, is this collegial that she's going after Felicia like this? And this Brianna Muir recently tried to get another one of their colleagues in trouble. Micah Gay, uh, Gelman, who accidentally referred to her on Twitter as Brianna Taylor. Her name is Brianna Muir, and he accidentally – he had a brain fart, and yeah. he called her Brianna Taylor by accident. And then again, she on company emails and stuff tried to get him fired as well. What the fuck is going on there? <laughs> oh, and to circle back to the joke that I made at the beginning of this pod um, – there was a bunch of people who worked at the Washington Post who were trying to tweet in support of Samez, and they all, like, obviously this was not organic, because they all used the same exact verbiage of basically saying, you know, the Washington Post, it's not a perfect organization. It's not perfect, but it's collegial, and it's warm, and it's caring, and I love working here. And they all said the same fucking thing. Yeah, like, I'm proud can, to, can you proud all to not work copy here. Off each other's homework? Yeah. And so, and so, first of all, that was cringe. And on top of that, someone screen capped all those things and tweeted uh, something like, "When everybody, when you send out like a, a a pro forma, like a boilerplate thing, and everybody just tweets it out, and then Felicia Sanmez retweeted that." 
So she's now also mocking her colleagues for being like, yeah, I'm actually proud to work at the Washington Post. It's just, it's it's unbelievable. And I say like, despite all the cynicism and despite all these talks about the media and how much I trash the media, I still get surprised when a place as legacy as the Washington Post is this much of a shit show. Like I still, there's still a part of me that, that thinks like someone there has to know what they're doing, right? And this is the same thing that happened at the New York Times with Dean Beckett and everything that happened there. It's like you basically handed your balls to like four people and they fucking run the publication now. Like you do not run it as editor-in-chief. You like four Twitter influencers run the joints and that's what's happening at Washington Post. And like the, the funniest thing to me is that this whole Felicia Sanmez thing has completely eclipsed the Taylor Lorenz thing. It really has. My, you know what? I gotta say that my, I, I should have done a poll. But yeah, the idea that like Taylor, Taylor is in, uh, Taylor's in the playing with the big boys now. She thought, oh, I'm going from the Times to the Post. I'll be a big fish in a small pond. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> you didn't you, know about Felicia. Yeah, you you still have uh, she's like uh, she's like uh, she's like uh, Marjorie Terrell arriving in King's Landing, being like, "Oh, I'm going to knock Cersei off, it's no problem." And then all of a sudden, the entire building goes. <laughs> the entire the entire sept of Baylor is blown up. Um, oh, oh, and okay, so now right before we started the show, Jen sends me this. I can't believe it. Oliver Darcy, by the way is having the time of his life. So much fun this man is having. Playing out all this drama. And he said that now uh, writers are frustrated because they're calling their sources and the sources don't want to give them info. They just want to talk about drama. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it turns out like there's a lot of people who don't like Felicia uh, Samas in the Washington Post newsroom. Surprise, surprise. I mean, forget (laughs) politics and forget all that stuff. You can, there's 40 people in here listening to this right now. We all can tell she's an unpleasant person. She's an abrasive person, right? I have friends that I know are abrasive people and I can, I can acknowledge that they are. Um, uh, uh, and so there's a, a story here about uh, a source told Oliver Darcy uh, that uh, people really turned on her after this thing that happened in May, I'm going to read it to you in a second, but like after the Buffalo and Uvalde shootings happened, this was recently this happened. Yeah. The national editor of the, of the post, it said she sent out an email urging colleagues to quote, take time to assess how you were doing and quote, seek help if you need to talk to someone in the wake of the mass shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde and the anniversary of George Floyd's murder. And then Felicia Sanmez replies all to the entire national news staff and writes this. Just a reminder that I was punished after I told an editor that I had to take a walk around the block after reading a difficult story. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what? No, it's this chronic thing. And, and we minimize it by calling it main character syndrome. But this is like main character syndrome on syndrome. On like steroids because this is like this is almost sociopathic the need to make everything about you and centered around you like nobody like if, if that was your response i mean okay i mean you can say that sending out that email like schmaltzy and whatever and it's like okay you're 
people that had nothing to do with either Buffalo or Uvalde or George Floyd, but you have to cover it. Okay, whatever. You want to ask if they're okay? Fine. Don't fucking respond to that with like, well, you know, this one time I had to go take a walk around the block and I got punished. Yes, and just and just to be clear, I'm looking at a screen cap of the actual email, right? The original email from Matea Gold is like a three-paragraph email. Dear colleagues, this has been a month of unfathomable grief through Buffalo, the Floyd anniversary, and now Uvalde, blah, blah, blah. The mission takes that, – that mission takes a toll. Please take a time to assess how you're doing. Take a break if you need one. Seek help if you need. The resilience, empathy, and care of the staff, blah, 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 right? And the reply is literally just that quote. Like the, the reply from Felicia Sanmez says in its entirety, just a reminder that I was punished after I told an editor that I had to take a walk around the block after reading a difficult story. All the best, Felicia. That's literally the email. Like <laughs> – I'm just, I'm just looking at this. And you know what? I had a coworker once who was awful in a different way than this, but in ways that sometimes like were shocking to me, but it, it never, never something like this. Like, how do you, again, you can be fully on board with me too. And you can be fully on board with George Floyd and all of this stuff. But but I mean, look just on a on a human behavior level, and 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 Steve and Stephen Miller, Red Steve's Stephen Miller, thinks this is all legal posturing, that she's daring them to fire her and she's being deliberately awful. I I think he's giving her too much credit. I think she just is that awful. You know what I mean? I don't. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure she's playing up anything here. It could be a little from column A and a little from column B because, like we've mentioned multiple times here and on the main pod, this is all about brand building. And so if Samez can somehow manage to get herself fired from the Washington Post, which, again, it's kind of dicey what their legal position is and what they can and cannot do as far as, like, there's pending litigation and she works there, so there's – I'm sure there's a lot that legal is saying in, in editorial's ear about what you can and cannot say and do with this employee who you're currently in a legal situation with. But yeah, it's, this is all about brand building. And I mean, she, I, I would assume at this point she knows she can't get fired, but I mean, potentially, no, no, but I mean this email, but this email, nobody knew this email was going to get out to the press. Like this is something she did like at the office like, how are you not humiliated? And so, yeah, I get it. it, it and by the way, if you were going to legally, if you're going to do a legal posture, you wouldn't reply that. You would take this email and you would put it in your legal file and then say later, look, see, they're letting people take breaks. And I did it one time and they didn't let me. You wouldn't reply to the email with that. That's not legal strategy. That's literally being so self-centered that you see a thing like that and the first thing you think is, well, that's not fair because I got yelled at once for doing that. And that's, so that's like, what, what the fuck? Like that's the first thing her brain goes to. Uh, well, I'll see Matilda wants a link to the, this tweet that I'm mentioning. How am I going to, how am I going to do that? Um, um it's, it's, oh, uh, yeah, I know. Right. You um, oh, you know what? Okay. I know, I know I'm going to do this. I know I'm going to do this. I, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. Just, just, just st- stick with us. Jen, you keep talking and I will, I'll get the link. Okay, so, like, that's what I mean from a little from column A and a little from column B, because I'm not saying that she's not, like, a weapons-grade dickhead, but, I mean, this is also 
I, I don't know. Like, I, I do seriously think that this girl has, like, I, I don't even want to call it mental health issues because I think that's minimizing mental health issues. I think she's just incredibly attention-seeking, just incredibly, I, I guess you could say sociopathic or at least narcissistic to an extreme where you have to make everything about yourself. And yeah, that is a mental health issue, but it's also, I think it's sort of a learned situation and it's not just with her. I mean, there's plenty of other people that you could say that about, including Taylor Lorenz, where it's like this, this learned sort of behavior where, I mean, brand building, personal validation, dopamine, I'm sure it all plays into that, but it's, it's like this, you have to make it all about yourself. You have to make everything about you so that you can get the attention, you can get the likes, you can get the retweets, you can get the controversy, you can play the victim, which Sanmez also did too, especially with like the original tweet that she put up calling out Weigel's retweet. After that, it was, it, there was, again, of course, as always, the, the subsequent follow-up tweets with all the screen caps of like the extreme examples of people saying all kinds of things to her and be like, oh my God, look at what I have to endure on Twitter, on the internet as a woman who is just trying to call out sexism. And my God, this is um, it's so awful. Like, why do I even have to deal with this? You know? <laughs> yeah. And by, yeah. So here I, I put the, I put the link in the chat uh, for uh, Darcy's. It's taken from a Vanity Fair article that came out today that has lots of interesting tidbits about this more. Like, for example, that uh, the Post's uh, comms chief said something like, well, we have not commented publicly. This is being addressed directly with the individuals involved. And so I don't know what that means. Right. Um, but um, uh, oh, by the way, J.D. asked before, how is the dark age of YouTube related? It's not, except for the fact that that story is also a story where the victim, um, uh, like the bully gets their way and the person who's actually victimized uh, keeps getting punished uh, d despite being the victim in the situation. I, I, we, You know what? If this wasn't such a big story and if there wasn't a Kavanaugh thing, we could talk about it. There's a big story that's going on in YouTube right now where a YouTuber called The Act Man had his channel demonetized because someone was bullying and harassing him essentially and he – Allegedly, I'm not going to because I don't want to get sued by fucking quantum TV, but uh, in, put it this way. This uh, this guy, this YouTuber, the act man made a very compelling case that this other YouTuber uh, was uh, falsely flagging his videos and uh, harassing his family and stuff. And instead of punishing that guy, they punished the act man for calling it out and calling YouTube out by like taking his video down, demonetizing his channel. It's incredibly bullshit but very unrelated this again except for the fact that like the bully gets their way in both cases well i mean and there is also sort of a demonetization situation because dave weigel actually got suspended for a month without pay from the washington post and while i have no clue what weigel makes i would be willing to bet that he makes in one month what i make in six yeah he so probably I mean, makes a lot of money yeah yeah, so I mean, this is not coming without a financial cost to him. And so there's also that element of when you start these sorts of attacks, when you try to do, I mean, when you basically start one of these mobs, like Felicia did, or you have this situation like the Act Man, where basically the idea is you're going to cost somebody their money. I mean, when somebody gets their YouTube channel demonetized, I mean, I don't know 
if that's what he does exclusively. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, oh, yeah, but, that's it, 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 not, not. I don't think exclusively, but yeah, it's, 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 it's bad for him. Like that's a, it's, yeah. it's he's taking a bad hit, and yeah, and by the way, also Weigel, this is a bad month to spend Weigel because he, he talks about elections and stuff, and there are primaries going on. There's a lot of stuff that he would have been sort of vital for them. Um, and uh, as I said before, that we can circle back to, uh, hasn't said anything about this. There's very little. There's very little. Uh, um, like, like, fuck, fuck this, fuck this, and fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it, I, I guess I'm. I guess I would never fit in in a work environment like that because I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if I were making shit tons of money and I fucking loved making – and I loved my job so much and I was swimming in money and so I could easily ignore it. But I mean what – it's just – it's crazy. I mean here's – and I was, I was thinking about this and this is – obviously with age, I have developed the ability to maybe not necessarily always have the things come out of my mouth that are in my head. So I can understand how Weigel is playing this. Like, I would not say anything publicly in this situation. But in my head, I would be like, you have got me fucking bent if you think I am ever writing a single syllable for this publication ever again. But I would not say that. I wouldn't say it publicly. I wouldn't say it to my editors. I would simply be like, all right, you want me to go chill for a month? Guess what I'm going to do for this next month? I'm gonna go find another fucking job. Oh yeah, sure, sure. I mean, you're you're right. You're right that I'm not. I'm I'm not gonna judge until there is something to judge about. And and by the way, a thing that the thing that you're describing is essentially exactly what happened with Ilya Shapiro. Ilya Shapiro waited until he knew he was not gonna go back. I think to to mm-hmm. Georgetown, uh, even if they were would reinstate him, uh, and he probably spent that time getting his job at the whatever the Manhattan Institute or wherever he's, yeah. he's going yeah, to now. And yeah, and got his, you know, like on paper victory. You know, it's like one of those things where you sue somebody for $1 just to get the judgment against him, you know, like for the principle of the thing. Um, uh, but also to be fair, like the, the reinstatement and the, it was untenable. Like the way that they would bring him on, even if he wanted to, was not, they were not offering him like the proper return. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, like you're right that, that it would, I would be very, I would be very happy if, uh, if Weigel came back and was like, yeah, now I'm leaving. Here comes my sub stack. Yeah. And I actually like sort of half jokingly tweeted about, okay, so what's the over under on how fast Hamish McKenzie is going to contact Dave Weigel, which if you don't know who Hamish is, he's one of the co-founders of Substack, and he's usually the guy that runs points on those deals. He's kind of like the public face. He's the guy that like sort of handles the Substack pro program and kind of approaches authors to come join. And he actually responded back to me. He's like, I reached out to that Weigel years ago. I'm like, today might be the day. Oh, interesting. I was also, I was also talking to somebody at Substack who said (laughs) to me, who said to me, (laughs) when this whole thing blew up, I got a message from them that says every time a wild, reporter gets piled onto a Substack gets its wings. That was the <laughs> that was the message I got from my friend at Substack. So we've both been we've both been talking about it. And I think, by the way, I and I I, I got to give Substack uh, and its people uh, props here for for not 
for, like for for j- jumping on these things in very subtle ways, not being full shit posty trolls. I think that would have done them damage. I think uh, because the attacks on them try to make them uh, seem like a gab, you know, type place or like yeah. a 4chan, uh, not 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 sort of rising to that challenge to be like a 4chan is good for them. Because there was some article about them now. I think it was like in Wire or something like that. Yeah, it's on like, Wire. They recruit extremists or whatever. <laughs> you know, it was that one I- of those things that it was like, no – that's they recruit people that are going to make them money. Yeah, but 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 I said like if 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 the people at Substack, if their way to respond to an article was that of, like that was to quote tweet it with memes and to say you know and stuff yeah. like that, they would have they would have it would have felt like they were the thing that they were accused of being instead of like being a serious outfit, which they are, and they conduct themselves like a serious outfit, uh, which is I think very very smart. Like the people working there know what they're doing. Um, and we'll see. I don't know. Dave Weigel has a large audience and certainly has the potential to branch out from Washington Post and make lots of money on his own. He definitely can do that. And he most certainly wouldn't have been the first writer to have been approached by Substack before and said no. I mean, famously, Ben Smith did that, too, who was with BuzzFeed and then was with The New York Times. And now he's uh, with his own ventures, thingamajig. I'm not sure. What's it called? Uh, I know. Kaleidoscope? No, uh, it's called... Uh, I, I forget, but um, see that's Jack bad. Hayes. I need to. Oh, semaphore. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm like I'm. I'm even like I'm even friendly with Ben. So I should know this. I'm gonna. <laughs> he's good. If he ever listens to this, which he never will, he would maybe get insulted that I don't remember that it's, it's semaphore. Uh, <laughs> but also, Jack Schaefer was another one. Like he's he's with Politico, and Substack had approached him, and he's publicly said like I said no because I'm not interested in leaving Politico, and I'm sure Weigel was in the same position. Up until a couple of days ago, where he was probably like, nah, I'm good at Washington Post. I don't really want to, don't, because I mean, it, it is a bit of a jump and it's a bit of a leap. And there's also like, when the whole Substack Pro story kind of jumped off, like it really started with people finding out what Matt Iglesias was getting paid. And that, like, there, there's a whole story back behind that, but we can skip over that. But anyway, like, there's a lot of people who don't really want to make that leap because it is a lot more work. Like, it's, it's a lot of money, but it's a lot of work, too. And so yeah. I, well, I, I was going to say I was going to say, oh, there's no job security. But like at working at The Washington Post, there's no, I mean, look at look at his fucking yeah. job security. And he's Dave Weigel. Again, I'm not going to I'm not kissing his ass, but like he's a like he's not some junior person. He has 600,000 Twitter, Twitter followers. And yes, that matters now to newsrooms in digital. Like people say, like, oh, who cares that you have lots of Twitter followers? But no, that's literally like places that hire you now ask the size of your social media following. Like yeah. you actually get asked that when you're when they want to hire you for a certain job. Yeah, that's how I mean, I've said this before and I, I say it and I'm not joking when I say it. That's how you get into media now is by having a social media following and a social media presence. You you cannot like roll up on a publication and be like, oh, I want to write for you. Like, OK, who are you? Like, oh, nobody. Oh, OK, fine. That's cool. Good. That, that's great. We'll, we'll get back to you. Yes. The idea is and, and especially places that work like on generating traffic you need to be able to funnel traffic and again like dave weigel would be considered an asset to substack because just the name alone will bring a lot of people over there people who want to read what he has to say and whatever i and it, but I, again i all i want 
is for somebody to call her out. Like I really just would love somebody who is in a position to do that, to talk about it. I mean, we, we were talking about this before the show. The view, the view dragged her for this. The, the fucking, the panelists on The View, you can go watch it. They tweeted it out, like a four-minute four, four minute discussion about yeah. this. About how it's, about how she was, like, a sh- like, shitty about it. And it's, again, it's not even about if the tweet is sexist. Like, the, the uh, again, we've lost, this is where our society's rotten, right? It's not, the thing that's rotten about our society is not men retweeting sexist jokes. It's the idea that, like, this is somebody that you've said publicly you consider a close friend of yours the words close friend i believe were literally used and you feel like he he, the person did something that offended you and you don't talk to them and okay so you would say okay go talk to your boss she clearly is someone who doesn't have faith in their bosses but then that's even more reason to like go to the person and say like hey you know that was kind of gross and i feel and and whatever just speak to the person in private and have them but the point was not to get him to remove the the tweet. And the point was not to get him to understand that he did something offensive. The point was to raise a stink because me, 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 and because lawsuit. He was just, and she was, I said, she didn't even stab him in the back. She stabbed him in the fucking chest. Like it wasn't, this wasn't a, you know what I mean? Like he was looking her right in the eye as she did it. Yeah, it wasn't like a secret where he had to wonder like, who reported me to the Washington Post for this retweet? Nah. It was Felicia because she fucking put you on blast on Twitter. Like you know who did it. Yeah, and I'm not gonna name. I'm not gonna name names, but I had someone I used to be friends with. The day we stopped being friends was the day that he, instead of uh, uh, sending me a private message about something that he had an issue with, decided to tweet it at me. And I, and as I said to him on that day, and I will say now, that was the moment that we stopped being friends because I was like, you, you fuck. You have my phone number, you have my email, and you're gonna tweet it out so you can get some likes on your like pseudo dunk that you're trying to do on someone by proxy because I'm friends with someone that you that you hate. Like what's what's wrong? Is that what you do to somebody you consider your friend? Friendship is very weird in the media environment nowadays. Obviously it's extremely transactional. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's you know the old joke about if you want a friend at DC, get a dog. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually very funny. <laughs> I like that. Um, it's true. I mean, I, 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 I can one day get into a whole separate discussion about this. But yeah, I mean, I got burned several times in DC. I came to DC not understanding uh, the the social business, social slash business slash social media world that happens here that's kind of unique you don't really see it other places uh where again it's people who are all like media politics people who are all on twitter but also all kind of know each other in real life and kind of cross each other at parties i've gone to parties that are that have signs on the door that say this party is off the record (laughs) i like i've literally gone to like house parties like on a friday where people are doing people are playing beer pong for real, I'm not even joking. This is not an exaggeration. People playing beer pong and there's a sign on the door that says, by entering here, you consent to this being off the record. Because people, they're people who are known to violate things like this if there's not specifically stated yeah. 
consent like that. Like that's that's the kind of if you like that's that's the way I can describe like the DC circle that I happen to find myself in because I'm not in that world. I'm not a journalist. I mean, I you know I've worked four places, but I like not as a not as a reporter. I mean, it's it's all about clout chasing and brand building and who you can mention and who you can say that you know or you heard this person say this thing over here, over there. And, oh, my God, look how juicy this is. I'm going to put it on Twitter. And it's like, like I said, it's very transactional. And it's just like, it's very weird to me because, I mean, you need to have at least a few people in your life that you can, like, say shit to and you know they're not going to, like, run and tell it in the streets and stuff like that. But... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Even if it's yeah. someone outside of your world, like get like three good friends who are like totally from some other. I mean, I eventually, I eventually did the thing that uh, the thing that if you go to if you go to Jerry Dunleavy's Twitter, his uh, he has a his pin tweet. He has a pin tweet, and it says the the pin tweet reads: "Random thoughts. Find a few good friends and squat up. Fight for what you believe in. Laugh, learn, lend a helping hand when you can." Try to forgive, love fiercely, and search for God's presence in all this madness because you just never know when this ride might come to an end, right? Now, I'm not religious or whatever, but that idea, that whole first part of it, like find your good friends and squat up and like, you know, like do that, like find the good people and like stick to them and everybody else, you know, you can be polite and whatever, but like don't like know exactly who your real friends are. And yeah, that, that was, that is, that is, was and is very good advice. Yeah, and I feel like we should open the floor to anybody who wants to speak before we Ooh, finish up idea. the evening. We've I know, I was saying. It's actually, yeah. actually uh, now in any other show, you can always just get in the QE yeah. and you can always even hang out there for like, because I don't think it changes. You still like, you still like hear the show if you're in the speaker queue. But but yeah, like feel free over the next few minutes to hop in there. If you if you have something to say, we can slowly wind this down i guess i can we can we can mention a few you know like i don't know what what were you gonna say go ahead uh, did we did we miss anything from the flow chart i know we did not miss anything from the flow chart we we got through everything including the cat like the tie-in to kavanaugh where we said that we were gonna discuss him on sunday no that's we got through everything we got through everything we we, we we made a plan and we stuck with it. Yeah, yeah, and I think we I think we sort of explained again. There's there's definitely things that we missed here and there because there were tons and tons of. She did a thirty tweet thread just so she could do a wire pun, just so she could do the thirty at the end. Like she's got to drew it out to be thirty tweets. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and again, just the, the idea that they they're just still doing it after they were told not to. I think the things might have cooled down a bit. I don't know. You want me to check? Do you want me to do a? Do you want me to last, do a San Mez check? Well, last time I checked was this morning, and she was tweeting about how she has to like you know search her name on Twitter to make sure that nobody's talking about her. Oh, for to make sure sake. because Hold on. because she's been see. doxxed before, so you need to like. You know, Google or not Google, but like Twitter search your name to make sure that it's not about to happen again. And I'm like, I know people who have been doxxed. They do not search their name on Twitter like ever. Like what is no, yeah. you're like the only time you like search your name on Twitter is if you're trying to see if somebody's talking shit about you like that. That's you're trying to find a new person to start shit with. That's why you fucking search your name. Yeah, Anywho. so she she now is she. By the way, uh, Senpai noticed him because uh, he's now she is now tweeting 
like retweeting uh, Holden Foreman's entire timeline. She still ain't gonna fuck you, bro. Yeah, Christina Summers, and he's like, he's going after her, and he's going after <laughs> because Glenn Greenwald went after him, so now he's uh, he's uh, he says I'm being bullied by Glenn Greenwald. You know, it's all of that. It's all like, why does he fight me? I bullied him first. <laughs> giant, giant race to the bottom over there. I just cannot. I just cannot believe it. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, uh, maybe also, uh, maybe, maybe Top Gun talk on Sunday. Uh, I thought the first episode of, uh, Miss Marvel was really fun. Uh, I thought the, the, the volume one of the, of season four of Stranger Things was mwah, some of the best Stranger Things we've had ever. I mean, you know, season one is like an all time good season of TV that you could just watch and like never go on beyond that but yeah it's crazy good and also the boys also very crazy good yeah i'm finally starting to watch the boys so i'm like still on season one but i'll, I'll get there I, it, I i can't binge watch things like i can only sit for so long oh no no and the boys is the boys is very hardcore it's long the episodes are long and they're also very intense like they're very relentless and so like it's not exactly there's only so much gore you can take at one sitting right it's like it literally is the most violent show i've ever seen by far not the most violent show I've ever seen, at least not yet. Oh no, no, yo, oh you, oh you, sweet summer child. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. But uh, you know, it's actually interesting. It's like those shows, The Boys season three and uh, Stranger Things season four, are the things that make me more disappointed in Kenobi because I feel like there's so much TV now that's like stratospherically good that I'm like, why can't? Star Wars do a show that's stratospherically good or Marvel. Like I still, I still don't think they've done anything that is like blow me out of my seat. Good. And I, and there's some things they've done. I've enjoyed a lot, but not, not this much, not sit there and go like, Holy fuck. I haven't watched the latest Obi-Wan yet because I didn't have time to watch it before we started doing this, but I mean, it just, it's, they serve different functions. Like, it's, I, again, like everything we've, we've talked about this about as far as like the Star Wars shows being part of the Star Wars universe and the MCU shows being part of the MCU universe and it all kind of tying in together. So they're not entirely meant to be standalone projects the way something like Stranger Things or The Boys or even something like, I don't know, like Squid Game or even anything, a like, Netflix original or Hulu or Paramount or Disney Plus or Amazon Prime. It's like they serve a different function. So I kind of judge them differently. I'm just, I'm just talking about like raw quality wise. Like I just, there's like, I, I there's so many examples of what t TV can be. And it's just weird to me that the, the, you know, like the biggest IPs ever sort of can't, still haven't kind of gotten it yet. They still haven't like gotten one really, really right. Mandalorian season one is probably the closest Star Wars has come and WandaVision is probably the closest that Marvel has come. But whatever, you know, it took them 20 years to perfect the superhero movie formula. Let's give them another 20 with this, <laughs> I think. I mean, even to that point, like WandaVision, I mean, we can know now that that was basically... I mean, it is a standalone thing that you can watch, but it really is part of the MCU, and it basically leaves 
into Multiverse of Madness. So it's yeah. not, you can watch it as a standalone thing, but it's not really meant to be a standalone thing. The same thing as Obi-Wan. I mean, you can watch it as a standalone thing, but it's not meant to be that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think also maybe another potential problem is that a lot of these shows now seem to be uh, projects that started their lives as movie ideas and then were extended into show ideas. And so they feel a little more, as uh, as Matilda said here in chat, diluted. You said it was a diluted brand. Uh, but I think uh, I think it does some of that where they're like uh, – because this Obi-Wan thing could have been a movie. could have been a two-hour movie and says like a six-hour miniseries. And so you got to like figure out how to fucking do that and pace yeah. it. And I think maybe binging this would make it better because I just think its beats, its story beats don't line up with episode endings. And so like the big emotional moments don't always fall right if you split it into six. But if you watch all of them in a row, that doesn't matter you get the emotional beats of the story, not of the episodes. Anyway, that's just uh, that's just a little bit of a cleanup at the end. I think uh, yeah. I think we're pretty much I think we're pretty much ready to like you know call it a night. Uh, yeah, I think we should wrap. Definitely, and so uh, I guess that's uh, that's it for this week's all crossed out. Right. Um, thank you so much again for joining us. I think this was good. Where we've been hitting this topic hard. There was a good uh, good. Uh, crowded here tonight as well if you if you noticed um yeah i mean stay tuned for <laughs> more of this i don't know maybe we'll make luck i i mean i hope we will be able to move on i mean this is kind of a juicy story but it's also like a, a total who gives a shit right it's like it doesn't matter it's like um, i i i just want felicia to get fired now just so we can make the buy felicia jokes knowing full well that there's a whole generation of people that we're going to have to explain the bye Felicia <laughs> the meme's coming back <laughs> <laughs> bye Felicia yes anyway uh, so uh, Jen uh, why don't you uh, plug all of the things that you plug okay so you're already here so you know where to find us on call in we're here every Wednesday night at 9pm so you know where to find that um, obviously you can listen to it here on this app or you can listen to it on your podcast catcher our main pod, ambit- Ambitious Crossover Attempts. You can find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, all the other podcast catchers. Um, our official Twitter is AMBXOver. My Twitter is at that Jen Monroe, and my Substack is at jenmonroe.substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and also YouTube.com slash C slash Neon Taster and Twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Uh, yeah, last episode of Ambitious Crossover Tim did some really good numbers. Uh, we zoomed past 20,000 total downloads of the pod, by the way, which is fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. It's because it's, it's the beginning of June. We've been doing this six months now and, uh, and uh, we – no signs of stopping, I think. I think we're – there's no like – there's no like I'm sick of – I'm not sick of you yet, I guess. <laughs> Check back and check back this Sunday to see if I grow sick of Jen by then. <laughs> Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a good night. Bye, everyone. <laughs>